so who are we canceling today, Caitlin? How about we cancel hate movements? Yeah, I'm, I'm here for that. Let's do it. Hey everyone, I'm Caitlin Burns. And I'm Oliver Ash Klein. And you're listening to Cancel Me Daddy. The show where we take a closer look at all of the panic ground cancel culture. With thoughtful analysis. And verbal shitposting. Okay, so this week we're doing something a little bit different. Caitlin is going to sit down with someone and do an interview. And honestly, this is this is one of my favorite episodes we've done. I think it turned out really well, and it's really interesting. Yeah, we're having Katie Montgomery on the show. Um, some of you may know her from Twitter. Uh, she's a pretty prominent LGBT activist. Um from the United Kingdom, and she actually just had her very first university talk postponed uh, because um, anti-trans activists in her country basically bombarded the school with threats. Um, So I think we had a really interesting discussion about that. Yeah, and I wasn't terribly familiar with Katie before, but like now I'm a fan. Like, she's so smart. So I'm so excited to share this conversation with you. Um, before we get into that, just want to, um, you know, do do this shameless self-promo, the ask for money. Um, the reality is that if everybody listened, who listened to this show gave just $1, we would be able to make it a weekly show and have a lot more of our income um, be supported by the show. Right now, we are underpaid in making this show, which is part of the reason why it's maybe not as consistent as we would like it to be, because we have to do a lot of other jobs to, to make it work. And so I just wanted to let you all know that we have a $1 and $3 tip tier um, just to say, like, thank you for making the show. And then we have some other tiers with rewards for our Patreons. Yeah, you can get access to our Discord server or um, get early access to new episodes or even get your name listed in our written or audio show credits. For more information on that, go to patreon.com slash cancel me daddy. Okay, let's get to the show. So I'm very happy to have on the show today, uh, Katie Montgomery, internet villain and YouTuber, LGBT rights activist, and uh, one of the good ones from uh, Turf Island here. So uh, hi, Katie, Katie, welcome on the show. Hi, thanks for having me. Um, So last week you had sort of an interesting experience, right? You were supposed to do your first university talk at Warwick University. Yeah. And it ended up uh, getting postponed, I understand. Right. Uh, why, yeah. don't you, why don't you tell us what happened? With that? Yeah. So, yeah, it was my first ever talk, which is exciting. Um, the A student union asked me to come and speak. It was the Integrated Sciences uh, Student Union. And um, they have in guest speakers, I don't know, every week or something. And uh, yeah, they just asked if I wanted to do a talk. And the topic they suggested, they said, like, pick something you know about. But they're like, why don't you do combating hate with science? I was like, okay, that sounds cool. I can definitely do the combating hate bit. And I thought about it and I was like, well, I can incorporate some science, you know, like the brain science of um, how people react to hatred and oppression and then how what the science shows for the best ways to minimize misinformation and hatred and 
how minority groups win over popular support and all that kind of stuff. So I spent ages making this talk. Like I spent a whole nine to five, two weekend days, every single evening. Like the, you just want to get this like perfect presentation for my first ever one. I was like quite nervous. And then I posted about it the week before the talk. Um, so oh, a key fact is they asked me to do this months ago and we were kind of like, oh, um, you know, let's pick this day and like pick this topic. And we're sending emails back and forth. And I announced it the Monday before the talk and said, so I'm doing this talk, combating hate with a bit of science. And uh, the gender criticals or the UK turf movement, however you want to describe them, found it. And uh, they got very hateful very quickly, as they do. Um, and they sent a load of threats and abuse um, to me personally, to the university. And uh, basically the university stepped in and they <laughs> sent me an email the day before saying, talks postponed because of security risks, basically, um, and that they would need extra security for the talk, which is, uh, firstly, it's quite ironic, given that it was a talk about hate and then it got postponed because of hate. Um, but then secondly, it was like kind of like, it's my first ever one, got quite a lot of buzz. I wasn't expecting like five people to show up or whatever and then ended up getting thousands of people arguing about it on the internet. So it was, uh, it was a feature. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's the summary anyway yeah i mean uh it's ironic that you were giving a talk about about hate and it was shut down because of hate right yeah i know it's just it's just so ridiculous it, you'd think that if you're being accused of being hateful and you don't like it you wouldn't then be hateful to show you weren't yeah um, I, I jokingly called uh, England Turf Island or Brit the Britain Turf Island Britain. earlier, but what's it like to be a trans person, LGBT rights activist in this moment in a place that, uh, quite honestly, probably deserves that nickname? Yeah, I mean, in one sense, because I guess um, as a like a British activist, I often compare myself and our situation to America because most English speaking people on the internet are American and you know this way you make lots of friends and stuff and you always have everything more extreme like everything is just over the top in America so I think the worst places like we don't have new laws appearing every single day saying they're going to like ban all healthcare or you know ban people from every single space or whatever um, but then it's also quite bad it's not anything like any of the good states in the USA. Um, so I guess we kind of sit somewhere in the middle, maybe near the bottom of, of your sort of uh, list of horror going on in the USA. But um, the UK has quite a unique take on it because everything here is like done in dog whistles and subtle and, um, you know, it was all proper and people don't kind of just come out and say the hateful things they want to say, um, which which does make things different. It makes it much harder to just call out this, you know, the garbage as you're constantly having to talk through all these like several layers of hidden meanings and stuff. Um, and also everything's smaller here. So everyone knows everyone, the whole, the whole British media is anti-trans, like from left to right. We have no, yeah. n no, uh, even neutral news sources here. 
and because it's because all they all work for each other everything you know all the journalists that work at one far right paper used to work at the left wing paper and all this kind of stuff so um but it means that if the gender critical movement here learns your name then you're just a target like that's it you're part of their law you're like a meme in their culture space and um then they will come for you and they will never stop coming for you because they need the constant interaction and hate to drive their little frenzy. So it's really interesting um, being uh, an American in this uh, because I don't think the, the British turfs have noticed me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Not to the level that they've noticed you for sure. Uh, Mm. So it's a little bit weird in that regard, but I wanted to, sort of drill down on the dog whistle side of things. The other big thing that happened um, as part of this sort of larger discussion this week is the Graham Norton, J.K. Rowling. Right. Uh, and we call it an incident. It was kind of too ridiculous. To Happenings. all that, I think. <laughs> but um, why don't you give us sort of a... a, 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 a short rundown of what happened there i'd imagine most of our listeners are familiar with it but not all of them yeah well i mean i guess if you've uh, been living under a rock for the last three years jk rowling is like one of the most prominent uh, mainstream anti-trans voices out there like certainly as for the uk um and she's currently going all out because scotland is about to pass a law which makes trans people's uh, birth certificates um, easier to change, which means they can get married and die in dignity and pretty much nothing else. Um, and yeah, the gender criticals are going mad over it and JK Rowling's kind of leading the charge. And she wrote some articles in various newspapers and she's been writing all kinds of insane, just factually false conspiracy theory rubbish on Twitter for months. And, um, just part, one of the things that the British media does is it just gets celebrities to comment <sighs> on other celebrities. Uh, I mean, I'm sure they do that in America too, but like rather than saying, oh, is what JK Rowling's saying true? Or let's talk to a trans person who's actually affected by this. Instead, they're just like, hey, random cis man celebrity, do you hate JK Rowling or do you love her? Because they want the drama uh, right. of people taking sides. And they asked um, Graham Norton, who's like, I don't know what the equivalent is, but he's like a comedian, but like lovable personality. He's like a national treasure kind of TV type person. I think his show actually is on some American. Oh, really? Okay. So you might know him. Is is there such a thing as the Graham Norton show? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they have it also on like BBC America. He is is pretty big time, like especially for a, you know, sort of UK celebrity. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so uh, some rubbish British journalist asked him to give his opinion on J.K. Rowling and trans rights and also cancel culture. And because um, uh, there's another British celebrity who's currently whining about being cancelled on every single mainstream platform. And Graham Norton on the trans part of the question um, said, well, why are you asking me? I don't feel like I should have a voice in this because you know, if you want to talk about trans rights, then you should listen to trans people and their families. And that was that's all he said. And like it was quite a good message. When I first watched it, I was like, well, he's right. Like, we don't need every single stupid cis man celebrity's opinion. But it, it kind of felt like a little bit tame. Like he he chickened out a little bit. That was my first impression. But JK Rowling absolutely lost it. Uh, um, and was 
accusing people of all kinds of things and ended up accusing this singer, Billy Bragg, of um, supporting rape or something. Uh, like It just seemed like, you know, straight up libel um, to accuse him of something so just plainly ridiculous for defending Graham Norton because Graham Norton has said you should listen to trans people and it ended up being this huge big thing where the entire gender critical movement mobilised to harass Graham Norton and everyone who is tangentially related to him or defending the idea of listening to trans people and then uh, from all the abuse he deleted his Twitter so that's the latest uh, twist in the in the tale So they cancelled Graham Norton yeah, basically. Well, they abused him to the point where he stopped. Yeah. Which is the real like that's the real form of cancelling. When when uh John Cleese, who's the, the other celebrity who's whining about being cancelled, when he says cancelling, he means someone has disagreed with him and now he gets a BBC platform to whine about being disagreed <laughs> with. But when Graham Norton gets cancelled, it's cause there's so much abuse he doesn't feel like he can speak out. Like that's that's the real cancelling, yeah. isn't it? So I feel like um well, I claim personal responsibility for the John Cleese stuff because I dunked on him so hard in the quote tweets. <laughs> and then like a week later, he's like, I'm making a show about cancel culture. We actually had an earlier episode, I want to say, about the spe- his special. I was nearly on that. Um, were you? Yeah, yeah. Channel 4 asked me to do this. They were like, oh, we've got this documentary coming up on trans rights and we want to have you. And they they kind of were deceptive about it. Um, yeah, they, I mean... They, Gave this idea that it would be pro. They were like, "Oh, we're talking to a gender critical person, but you know what they're like." Well, they're really trying to sweeten the deal with me, but I just got a few like red flags, um, yeah. and I ended up bailing just before they were going to film me, just because I was like, "There's too many red flags on this that I just don't yeah. think they're being supportive. I think they're going to lie to me." And then they did some garbage, whiny right wing nonsense and said trans bad. So, oh, of course they did. Yeah. <laughs> Britain, isn't it? Probably because you said no, by the way. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, I was actually asked to go on uh, Good Morning Britain when Pierce Morgan was still one of the yeah. hosts to talk about J.K. Rowling, and they wanted me to go on at like two in the morning, and I was oh, like, God. no, no, thank you. <laughs> that would have been awful. I mean, I mean, first of all, who wants to get camera ready at 2 a.m.? Well, no, um, first of all, who wants to talk to Pierce Morgan? True. <laughs> I want to circle back around to something you mentioned earlier in the show about your work talk. Um, And I'm kind of interested in what the science says about hate. So I don't know if you're prepared to give us like um, the Cliff's Notes version of uh, of your talk, but I'm really intrigued by this. Like. Right. Yeah. So um, obviously, if you want the full thing, you will have to fly to Warwick and <laughs> sit through the talk. I actually think you need to currently be a member of the university to go to that when it's okay. uh, rescheduled in November. But mm-hmm. um, I probably, hopefully, will do this talk in other places and it might eventually make its way to YouTube. But yeah, um, there's a few interesting like things on the kind of how do we fix it side of the talk that I learned. Um, one of the kind of key things is there's this... Um, theory of sort of, uh, I don't know, psychology, I guess, um, about how groups with differences sort of build up hatred between each other and uh, distrust and also how they kind of break that down. And lots of it is just spending time together, like being around each other. 
Um, and there was uh, several experiments they did where they kind of arbitrarily created these groups where all else was equal. You know, it was a load of kids with all the same upbringing and same race and ethnicity and culture and religion and stuff and put them in different camps and just arbitrarily assigned them a group and then um, got them to do competitive things against each other but kept them segregated the whole time. And they ended up starting to get more and more aggressive towards each other and they started, you know, vandalizing each other's camps and breaking things and stealing from each other, just these like random kids. And then they halfway through changed it. So um, instead of meeting up to do competitive stuff and then not spending any other time together, they spent a lot of time together and worked on something together and just hang around each other and had meals together. And then the animosity went really down and then they ended up working together and like building each other's camps back up and stuff. Um, which is quite interesting. So that was like one of the main things. And I think looking, I I think that, you know, the gay panic and gay rights is a really good template for what's happening with trans people now and what's likely to happen in the future. And I think one of the big wins for gay people was most people just know a gay person. Like you can say all these horrible things about gay people. You can make up all this ridiculous stuff about them coming for your children and you know, praying on you in locker rooms and stuff like they did in the 80s and 90s. But then you can believe all that. And then all you've got to do is like your cousin's gay and you meet them and you're like, oh, none of that was true. And then you spend some time around gay people, realize they're normal and then it all breaks down. So that I think a similar thing will happen for trans people. But that's kind of on the like reduce the societal hate long term kind of side. Yeah. But then in the short term, um, Controversially, perhaps, uh, one of the things that does work uh, is deplatforming people, um, which you could say was a bit like cancelling them. Um, but certainly, there are examples, and you know, people will argue about whether deplatforming is good, and maybe there will be some sort of platform <coughs> absolutists um, who think that everyone should always have a platform. I feel like that position is like inherently contradictory because. Who gets to have platforms? Like, not random trans people on the street, that's for sure. Just cis celebrities. Um, But you can pick some examples of, like, Nazi groups or something, which have a big recruiting circle on a major online platform, and then you deplatform them, and then their influence just drops off. And uh, some good examples of that are Britain First and Tommy Robinson, and also um, Milo Yiannopoulos from... Uh, USA. Actually, I think he's British as well, but um, you know he's, he's more famous is, over yeah. there. Um, but Thanks all so all of that, by the way. <laughs> and Pierce Morgan, he's one of ours too. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, they uh, like if you look at those as case studies, like Tommy Robinson before he was deplatformed from Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube, um, was getting tens of thousands of people show up to his rallies. And now he's just on Telegram and like hundreds of people show up. So it's like really crippled his his base. And like Milo was doing a lot of whining about how when he had mainstream channels, he made loads of money and he could make it his living and he could, you know, do loads of celebrity appearances and stuff. And since retreating to Telegram, you end only end up with the weirdos left and none of them want to spend any money. And so it's impossible to like sustain yourself. Um, and Britain first as well. They had something like 2 million Facebook likes. Um, and then Facebook deplatformed them and then they switched over to uh, Getter, I think, or Gab or one of those, you know, Nazi ripoffs of Twitter. And now they have like thousands of followers. They've got 11,000 followers or something. And they, they used to be, after the royal family, 
the second br- biggest British politics page, Britain First, which is like our far right, uh, uh, well, kind of an ex-far right group. I mean, they're still far right, but they're like not an important group anymore. Um, but yeah, so deplatforming, however controversial it is, does work, and so I guess you need to um, consider consider the ethics of it, but uh, it it does make a difference. And uh, another thing is which has been really successful recently, uh, sort of more recently than um, deplatforming and stuff, is uh, targeting the advertisers. Like, this certainly works for bigger hate organizations and media organizations, but um, Sleeping Giants in the US and uh, Stop Funding Hate in the UK have had a lot of success just basically ringing up all the advertisers who fund Breitbart and GB News and stuff and just saying, this is what, people associate with you with you know do you really want to have your nice flower delivery service or whatever promoted alongside this hate speech and then the advertisers pull out and then they don't have any money and like Breitbart said 90% of their revenue was taken out by sleeping giants and uh, GB News has like gone below half of its initial investment value already in like one year for similar reasons so um yeah, and actually, some of them, even the, the Express newspaper, said that um, pressure from advertisers, particularly like Stop Funding Hate and similar groups, was uh, changing how they. Well, the, the Express is still total garbage, but maybe it's slightly less garbage now. I don't know. Maybe that's <laughs> subjective, but um, it's ironic too because like we're having this discussion about deplatforming. In the meantime, J.K. Rowling just deplatformed like a British television institution off of twitter so yeah and i mean technically i was deplatformed even if only postponed i mean (laughs) right and you were also right so like does that go both ways does deplatforming effective for hate movements you know working against yeah I, i think it's not just effective it's like one of their strongest uh like strategies available to them because they don't have the science and they don't have like you know humanizing people and being nice or any any kind of they don't have like rational and nice things on their side and where they do excel is um irrational prejudice and dehumanizing people and if you're going to dehumanize someone then you have to keep them segregated and you have to keep them deplatformed because if there are just trans people on the tv every week just being normal then you're not going to be able to sell hate about them and you know trans people have been like institutionally deplatformed across the entire British media. I mean, some British media organisations have this rule where they're not allowed to trans, like an, an, sort of an unwritten rule, which more than one of my friends has been told pretty much to their face um, by the people booking them that if they have a trans person on, they have to have a transphobe on. Like, there's, you can never have just a trans person on a show on their own, whereas they'll have transphobes just on their own. So it's like never unopposed is like the rule. Um, and often they just won't even consider having trans people on, even like the BBC or, you know, BBC Radio 4 or something, or do several single interviews, puff pieces with big uh, time transphobes, and then they have no trans people on. So we have been deplatformed, and it is working. And, you know, there will be people who will claim to be platform absolutists or whatever I was saying it was <laughs> earlier. I, d- I don't know if there's really a term for it, but... yeah. Um, almost everyone's hypocritical about it and the reality is is 
I think that deplatforming Nazis is good, and they think deplatforming trans people is good. So, I mean, there's just then a question of morals, really. I think spreading science and information is good, and they think spreading misinformation and pseudoscience is good. So we've just got to weigh those things up, really, to make the moral decision. Yeah, and it's interesting, too, like um, you said... You know, you mentioned the gay rights movement and the fact that like everybody knows a gay person now, so it's harder for the bigotry to break through. Yeah, and then you stack that up against, uh, you know, like that Helen Joyce's of the world saying we need to reduce the number of trans people, and it's like, well, no wonder why they're trying to win. Yeah, a propaganda campaign, and this is one of our, you know, primary ways of. Yeah, of winning Telling hearts and people minds. were yeah. were just like them, you know. Um, so, I noticed on um, John Oliver just did a show on trans people, um, and like obviously his show is comedy, and he always has some facts, and then it's kind of mainly nonsense segues and and comparisons and stuff. Yeah, but. Um, he spent a lot of time on humanizing trans people. Like a lot of it was like, here is a normal trans kid living a normal life. And I like arguing. I like, you know, I'm a skeptic. I like facts and, and getting down to the sort of details of things. But in reality, I know that humanizing trans people is probably the strongest weapon we have, just as dehumanizing us is the strongest weapon they have. Right. And so a show like that, which just, platform some random trans kids and is like, you know, this show is funny and family friendly enough for anyone to watch and look, trans people are normal. I think that's going to be a huge, huge blow to the anti-trans activists. Like they're already raging about it and it's going to be, you know, it's bad for them. Yeah. I mean, John Oliver, uh, John Stewart also did something Mm. similar. Um, I mean, he had parents of trans kids uh, on his panel along with Chase Strangio um, and an endocrinologist who helped mm. write the endocrine society standards for trans care. Um, but I, the thing that stuck with me besides obviously the, the interview with the Arkansas attorney general that everybody was making fun of um, was uh, there was a mom from Maryland who has a teenage trans girl. And I happen to know this mom through my work. Mm-hmm. She, uh, I met her at a, a DC event for a story that I was covering and her and her husband actually walked me to the Metro stop. So I wouldn't have to walk there alone. So I would get there safely. Oh, nice. Like these are normal, considerate mm. people. And I know that because of my interactions. Right. But uh, one thing I loved about the John Stewart interview was the mom was like, our biggest problem is that my kid won't put her phone down. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, if you're a parent of a teenager anywhere in, you know, the Western society, right? Mm. So the U.S. or, or Western Europe, um, probably a lot of Eastern Europe, like you can relate to that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, so that I think was a very humanizing like moment, right? But, but they're so rare. Um I think they're more common on American television, probably. Than oh yeah, no, look, British British uh, media exists to dehumanize trans people and uh, yeah. travelers and immigrants. That's like the big three that, that they focus on. Okay. In the uh, clip that the John Oliver uh, show had with Abigail Schreier, who wrote um, "Irreversible Damage," 
which is hilariously bad. Um, she was just like, trans people have no hobbies. Like straight yeah. in, one of the first things she said, instantly trying to dehumanize trans people. She's trying to say, trans people aren't like you. They yeah. don't have normal lives. They don't have normal hobbies. Their brains don't work the same. They're weirdos obsessed with, you know, being trans. And it's just nonsense. And like, yeah. But that's the. Re it doesn't matter to them. Like she knows she's lying. Like the bigger gender critical people, they all know they're lying. Um, but she knows it's a good strategy. Like that's how you win people over. Yeah. I, well, I tweeted about that actually, um, and I had a bunch of gender criticals in my mentions going. Of course, you have the same amount of leisure time as any other male, and I'm like. <laughs> They, they love doing this thing when they make an assertion. You're like, well, that's false. And they're like, well, of course it's false. And you're like, but, but you didn't call it out, did you? <laughs> yeah. It's just completely nonsense. And then, <sighs> but now I can give you a counterfact to your second point. So you've made two arguments that are mutually exclusive and they're both wrong. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Oh, um, anyway, Katie, I, I appreciate you coming on the show. Uh, oh, how, where can our listeners go to... Um, follow more of your work if you want to see my uh complete lack of hobbies then um <laughs> come to twitter uh, at katie montgomery you can see me arguing with the most ridiculous people on earth constantly um but you will probably get snippets from hobbies if you like uh metal music then you could check out my band dehumanaut and uh perhaps if you like atheism that's kind of one of my hobbies you could come check me out on uh talk heathen yeah um which is on YouTube and uh, yeah, do me a Google, see what happens. Uh, I've heard you're a wasp fact aficionado. <laughs> is that correct? <laughs> yeah, well, I I like I think insects are cool. You know, they're okay. like little machines, and everyone hates wasps. And I'm the kind of person who, when everyone hates something, I feel sorry for it. Like yeah. wasps are just trying their best. They're just tr they're just trying to be happy, like me and you. They have hobbies. <laughs> they have hopes and dreams. And so I'm, I want to defend wasps. And yeah. so I thought the best way to defend wasps is to, well, not humanize, wasponize them, and then learn some facts about them. Like, did you know, fun fact to leave on, mm -hmm. wasps evolved before the planet Saturn had rings. How cool Whoa. is that? Did that you? Is really cool. Did you did evolve before the planet Saturn? No. No, I Humans are rubbish. Did well, there you have it, everybody. We are officially canceling wasp haters. Caitlin, are you ready for some out-of-context cancellations? Always. I am always ready for out-of-context out of cancellations. Okay, we're going to cancel tinnitus. Yes. What is tinnitus? It's like um, ringing in your ears. Oh, that sounds like it. Yeah, that sounds like not a good time. Yeah. Like in its most basic form, it's ringing in your ears. Relatedly. Auditory yeah. processing disorder. Yes. Not a good time. <laughs> Not no. a good time. Um, we're also going to cancel videos of mental health crises going viral. Ooh, yeah, that's that's bad news. It just seems like gawking at people who are struggling for fun, and I don't see what's fun in that. No, it's just mean. Mm -hmm. Like, that's just, if you're laughing at that, you're an asshole. Um, 
we're going to cancel advertisers allowing huge gross images to appear in ads. I have no idea what the context is behind this, but okay. Um, we're going to cancel white people claiming it's racist to be called white. Yeah, that seems kind of weird. There was a conversation in our Discord about canceling all white people, and I kind of agree with that. <laughs> I know I'm canceling myself, but I'm fine with that. Sometimes a cancel daddy can be canceled. <laughs> Um, we're also canceling leaving your credit card at the auto shop, which seems very uh, specific and quite annoying. Very annoying. Very annoying. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, here's a relatable one, because I'm one who likes to make eggs in the morning. Uh, but making the perfect poached egg and then breaking the yolk, trying to get it out of the pot. Oof. That's Ooh, just heartbreaking. It is. It is. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> okay, we're going to cancel job postings for which the candidate was selected before they even started accepting applications. Just like don't waste don't waste people's time. I mean, I know they have to do it by law, but like also it's annoying. Yeah, but like put it up for 3 days, don't like spread it around past like your job's website and take it down yeah. if you're doing I don't know. It just like there there is a way to like stay within the law and not like waste people's time. <laughs> Yeah. Okay, so I didn't write this one, but someone wanted to cancel Uh autistic burnout, and I am experiencing some pretty intense autistic burnout (laughs) right now, and I concur. (laughs) You know what, though? You're doing great. Uh, I mean, like, I'm muddling through. I'm getting through it. You're doing doing fine. You're doing great. I just wanted to say that as both a co-host and a friend. Mm. And if you want to contribute some out-of-context cancellation, you can join our Patreon. Yeah, uh, so basically we get all of our out-of-context cancellations from our Discord, which you can access by becoming a $5 a month supporter over there. Patreon.com slash CancelMeDaddy. Today's show was made by me, Oliver Ash Klein. Oh, excuse me. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. It's all I'm me. A part of this it's story. all me. Caitlin didn't, <laughs> Caitlin didn't help with this. No. Okay. Um, today's show was made by me, Oliver Ash Klein, and my incredible co-host, Caitlin Burns. Dee Peterson made our theme song, and Eden M.W. designed our graphics. Our show is made possible by the incredible cancelers supporting our work, especially the member of our Canceller Hall of Fame with the great power to cancel all enemies, Meg. We appreciate your support. Happy canceling.